0: with you, then we are in 1 Peter, chapter 4, and we're going to read from verses 7 to 11. It says this, The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind, so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in various forms. If any of you speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very word of God. If any of you serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Well, Luke, let me pray for you as you come and share with us. Father God, this morning we thank you for your word. We thank you for the very practical challenge that it gives each and every one of us. So we invite your Holy Spirit, Lord, once again, to be welcome in this place, to come and speak to us, to edify us, to challenge us, and to send us out as imitators of your son Jesus, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: I want to add my welcome this morning. If you're new, if you're visiting, my name is Luke. I'm one of the pastors here at Hope Baptist Church. It's really good to welcome you as we come and we gather and we get around God's Word together. Just to add to the notices a little bit, if you are a church partner, then it is our partners meeting Wednesday. It is both online and in person. I would love to encourage you to come in person if you can. These meetings are always better when we're actually together, but if you can't make it in person, do join us on Zoom for that. It's going to be a good meeting. Lots of encouraging things to share and we are excited about where God is taking us over the course of the next few weeks and months but let's come round to God's words right now I'm just going to add my prayers to what Zoe has already prayed as we come to study this particular passage together Father God, I do want to thank you and praise you for your word. I thank you, Lord God, for the fact that your word is life. And that as we read your words, Lord God, we see your heart. We see who you really are and who you call us to be. And our prayer this morning is simple, Lord. Will you speak to us? Will you encourage us? Will you spur us on to live as you call us to live? And that may we be the family and community of God's people here in this place that you want us to be. In Jesus' name. Amen. Oh, I wonder what you're like when you are faced with a huge to-do list. Are you the sort of person who will plough through that to-do list and get every single thing ticked off the list until the list is absolutely finished? Or maybe I wonder, is your natural tendency to be a little bit of a procrastinator? When you're faced with a big task, you more often than not think to yourself, well, I will do that tomorrow. I think if I'm being totally honest, I can definitely be a little bit of a procrastinator. But it's interesting, isn't it? Why do we do that? Why is it at times that our natural tendency is to put off until tomorrow what can be done today? We tend to do it, I think, because we all have a natural assumption that tomorrow will come. That there is always going to be another tomorrow. And why do we do that? because today is yesterday's tomorrow. So we think to ourselves, well, I'm always going to have tomorrow to do the things that I need to do. And as a result of that, we may not say out loud, but our assumption is that tomorrow will always come. But here's the thing, tomorrow is never guaranteed. No matter who you are, no matter how old you are, No matter how much money you have in the bank, you are never guaranteed tomorrow. So let me ask you this question this morning. What would you do today if you knew that today was your last day on earth? How would that affect the way that you lived? How would that affect who you interacted with and what you did with your time? It's an interesting question, isn't it? And I don't mean to get morbid today because probably the reality is, If we knew that we only had a very limited time left on this earth, we would do things vastly different to what we're actually doing them right now. And as Christians, in our walk of faith, we can often fall into the same procrastinating trap, can't we? I will get back on track with God tomorrow. I'll start going to church again next week. I will pray more when things are different. I will give more when I have more. And it's in that context that as we continue together to look at this idea as church, as family, that I want to ask the question today, what does it mean for us to live life on purpose together? Because here's the thing, as Christians, regardless of... Of how much individually time we have left on this earth the bible does make it clear that our time is limited that one day jesus is coming back and he will return for his church and when he comes there will be this separation between those who follow jesus those who have chosen to give their lives to him and those who have turned their back on him and therefore as christians we have this joy we have this duty we have a responsibility to live every single day as if it were our last. And one of the ways that that becomes evident in the life of believers is how we welcome one another, and how we welcome each other. You may remember that about a year or so ago we had an in-depth look at this book of 1 Peter together and if you do you may also remember that we talked about the fact that this book 1 Peter was written to a group of Christians who knew what it was like to suffer it was a letter written in order to encourage believers that in the middle of everything that they faced and everything that was going on in their lives that they were not to lose heart and they were not to lose faith They were called to live differently, despite the suffering that they faced, despite those heartaches that they went through, despite the disappointments which came up in their life. You see, being a Christian in Peter's day often led to being ostracized from family. It would have led to potentially losing your job, being mocked, and in many cases, for many Christians, it led to death as well. And in the midst of this, how was the church called to live every day as if it were their last? How were they called to be different? Well, one of the ways is that they were called to show radical hospitality. And in a day and age where we seem to lurch from one world crisis to the next. In a time where we see fuel prices going through the roof, in a time where for many families there is a genuine worry and a genuine concern how they're going to put food on the table in the coming months. How does the church as family on mission together for the sake of the gospel show a world that there is a different way to live than the one that the media so often portrays to us? That they too can have hope in the darkness and peace in the midst of a storm. The passage that we've read together today gives us a few clues as to what this looks like. It says, the end of all things is near. When the Bible talks about the fact that the end is near or it talks about the end times, it's referring to the period of time between Jesus being resurrected and then ascending into heaven and the time where Jesus will come again for his church. We don't know the day. We don't know the time, we don't know the hour of Christ's return, but one thing that we do know is that Christ is coming again. We can look at the signs of the times and we can realize that that day is nearer than it ever has been before. But regardless of whether there's one year left or whether there's 10,000 years left, the response of the Christian should be exactly the same. Peter goes on to say, Therefore be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift they have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength that God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory and the power forever and ever, Amen. You could say that what Peter is getting at here, as he talks to the church in need, is a head, hearts, and hands theology. These are the things which need to be engaged in our lives if we're going to be a people who live every day as if it were our last. Your heads need to be engaged. You need to look around at the things which are going on in this world and realize the times that we are in. And then you can pray for what is going on. Your heart needs to be engaged. You need to love in a way which points people to Jesus and welcomes them in the same way that Christ has welcomed us and our hands need to be engaged too you need to use the gifts that God has given you in order to serve one another you see when we pray when we love and when we serve we begin to fulfill the very reason that Christ has brought us together as the church in the first place we begin to be the church that Christ has always intended us to be and we begin to show the world that is in so much need that there is a family that they can belong to And really where I want us to focus our time together this morning is on verse 9. This idea of offering hospitality without grumbling. And I want us to ask the question this morning that as the family of Jesus Christ here at Hope Baptist Church in 2022, how do we genuinely welcome one another? Because here's the thing, offering hospitality without grumbling is really easy with people that we like. With people that we care about, with people that we get on with, with people that we want to hang out with, maybe with people who are a little bit like us. But the church is not made up of 200 people who are just like you or are just like me. The church is a melting pot. It's the biggest melting pot in the world, really, of people from all different walks of life, made up of the young, the old, the rich, the poor, conservative voters, Labour voters, Argyle fans, Portsmouth fans. We are a group of different people with very different opinions, with very different life experiences, and the one thing which unites us is our love for Jesus Christ. The church is a beautiful expression of what family could and should be and what humanity could and should be. But here's the thing, it's hard, isn't it? Because what makes us beautiful also makes us really ugly at times too. Because even though we know who we are called to be and how we're called to act and how we're called to respond, our natural tendency is to look for our tribe. Look for those people who are going to agree with us. Look for those people who are going to back us up. Look for those people who are going to be on our side and like the things that we like. So, how? Do we truly welcome each other? As Hope Baptist Church, as we seek to be family this year, how do we genuinely welcome one another? Well, I believe scripture teaches us a number of important lessons about what it truly means to be a welcoming church. And the first one is this, hospitality is an essential Christian need. The Bible, in fact, has a lot to say about hospitality. Romans 12 verse 13 says, Share with the Lord's people who are in need and practice hospitality. Hebrews 13 and verse 2 says, Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Titus 1 verse 8 says, Be hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. Someone once put it like this, Hospitality is about making people feel at home in a place which isn't their home. Hospitality is about making people feel at home in a place which isn't their home. And for the Christian we need to understand this more than anyone because we need to understand that this world is not our own it is not our home at the beginning of first peter peter addresses his readers as aliens and strangers and exiles and as Christians here in the West, we face relatively little overt persecution because of who we are and because of our faith. And as a result, sometimes it's really easy to forget that this world is not our own and this world is not our home. And we make ourselves very, very comfortable, but we are called to live lives which are radically different, recognizing that we only are here for a short time, where we are citizens of heaven. That is our home we cannot do that on our own on our own we sink back into those old patterns and those old habits which entrap us on our own we forget about the goodness and the grace and the mercy of God on our own we walk away from God rather than run to him and it's only in the context of community that we begin to be who God truly made us to be and if that's the case We need to realize and we need to understand there has to be a place at the table for everyone. How do we make that possible? It has to be more than a Sunday thing. Being a welcoming church is not about the handshake that you receive as you walk in the door or the conversation that you may or may not have over a cup of coffee at the end of the service. Though Those things add to the experience of feeling welcome. Being a welcoming church ultimately means doing life together. It's about opening our homes and opening our lives. It's about rejoicing with one another in the good times and holding one another up in the bad times. So my question and my challenge for each and every one of us this morning is simply this. Who is God calling you to offer a radical welcome to this week? The second thing I believe that Scripture teaches us about what it means to be a genuinely welcoming church is that a genuine welcome is costly. 1 Peter 4 verse 9 says, offer hospitality without grumbling. The reality is, if we like a person, it's easy to offer such a welcome. But what happens when that person is not like us? What happens when it means putting ourselves out, even doing things that we don't really want to do? There are a number of examples of it in scripture, aren't there? We can think of the prostitute Rahab who hid the spies as they came to spy out the land. She could have lost her life for doing that very thing, yet she welcomes these spies into her home. We could talk about Elijah, couldn't we, When, when there was a famine which hit the land, and he met the widow who only had enough food left for her and her son. That she had this faith to show hospitality in the midst of famine by offering Elijah some food that day. We could look at the story of Paul together this morning who was thrown into prison, put in an inner cell where he and Silas prayed and they sang. And supernaturally, God opened the prison doors one evening with a violent earthquake. The jailer, the one who was guarding the prison that night, had been asleep. And when he realized that all the doors are open, he draws his sword in order to kill himself. And Paul says, don't do it. We're all still here. None of us have escaped. And it led to the guards to cry out that night, what must I do to be saved? And once that guard received Jesus, he took the prisoners back to his house. He washed their wounds and he gave them some food. What caused him to offer such a radical welcome that night? The simple fact is that Jesus had entered his heart. Jesus had made the difference. Jesus had welcomed him. You see, we're called to show a costly welcome to others because that's exactly what Jesus has done for us. The Bible tells us that whilst we were still sinners, whilst we were still enemies of God, Christ came and he died for us. He lived this life that we should have lived, and he died a death that we deserve to pay for all the wrong things that we've fought, said and done, which the Bible calls sin. Jesus offers us a radical welcome, and he calls his followers to do the same. And what he teaches us is that there's a cost to it. For Jesus, he laid down his life. For us, offering a radical welcome offering a costly welcome may mean putting yourself out seeking people who maybe have actively hurt you in the past seeking people that you just don't get on with or you just don't get going the extra mile for someone even when you don't feel like they deserve it who is god calling you to reach out to today Who is God calling you to give a costly welcome to this week? Who is God saying to you today about, you know what? This might be the last thing that you want to do right now, but this person needs you at this point in time, so I want you to go the extra mile for them. Genuine, God-given hospitality and welcome is costly. The third thing, number three, the welcome that we give is an essential act of Christian discipleship. You know, some of Jesus' strongest words were against those who failed to show hospitality. We read, don't we, in the book of Matthew that Jesus said that when the Son of Man comes, he will separate people like a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And to some, he will say, come and enter into the kingdom of heaven because I have prepared a place for you. Because when I was naked, you clothed me. When I was hungry, you fed me. When I was in prison, you came and you visited me. And they turned to him and said, Jesus, when were you naked? When were you hungry? When were you in prison? And Jesus says to them, whatever you did for the least of my brothers, you did for me. And then Jesus will turn to the other group and he will say, depart from me. Because when I was naked, you didn't clothe me when i was hungry you didn't feed me when i was in prison you didn't welcome me and they'll turn to him and say jesus when did we see you this way and jesus says he will say plainly whatever you didn't do for the least of my brothers you did not do for me you know the litmus test of christian maturity is not how much of the bible that you know It's not even knowing and understanding sound doctrine, though these things are vital and they certainly are a byproduct to Christian maturity. But the litmus test for Christian maturity is becoming more like the one that we follow taking on the very heart of Jesus Christ and showing it to a world that is in need. Jesus, who didn't have a home of his own, yet he still offered the most radical welcome and the most radical hospitality. And we see that so often, don't we? Take the story of Zacchaeus again, for example, a man who was despised by his own people, shunned by those who were in his family and rejected by the society that he lived in. When he met with Jesus... Despite who he was, despite what he had done, despite how he had treated others, he was met with a welcome. And that welcome totally and utterly changed the life of Zacchaeus. If you wanna grow as a disciple of Jesus Christ, grow in your welcome. Who do you need to show a radical welcome to today? And church, as we seek to grow together as family, as we seek to grow together over this year, let us once again focus on what it means to welcome, recognizing that welcome actually is a two-way thing. In the story of Zacchaeus, Jesus welcomes Zacchaeus, but Zacchaeus also welcomes Jesus. It was to the home of Zacchaeus that Jesus went. To be a welcoming church, we, as the people of God, must learn to welcome and to be welcomed by others. It's no good sitting in your chair today and thinking to yourself, no one has come and made the effort to talk to me today if you haven't gone and made the effort to talk to someone else. It's no good sitting here today and thinking no one's ever invited me over for dinner. If you have never invited anyone else over for dinner, the genuine art of welcome is a two-way thing. Coming back to our passage that we started with, Peter says, the end of all things is near. We're living in the last days. How long those last days will go on for, only God knows. But whilst we have an opportunity to do so, let us be a people who don't put off until tomorrow welcoming one another. But let us be a people who show the world that is in genuine need of family, what family really looks like, as the family of God, here called together for such a time as this. Don't put off till tomorrow what God is calling you to do today. I want to finish with a little video. It's a video you might have seen. It comes from some of the conflict which is going on in Ukraine right now. It's been doing the rounds on the internet in the last few days. And it reportedly shows a Russian soldier who's been captured by the Ukrainians in the war over there. And what it shows is the local people giving him tea, giving him some food, and offering him the chance to call his mum back in Russia. And as you watch this video, I want to take a time to reflect This morning, I want us to each and every one of us in this time of reflection ask the question Who is it that God is calling me to show a radical welcome to this week? What would the church look like if we all took this challenge seriously this morning? What would happen over the course of the coming days if we all sought out someone to welcome in the way that Jesus has welcomed? us recognizing it's an essential christian need for every single one of us recognizing that it is costly and recognizing that as we do it as we put this into practice we grow in our discipleship and our christ-likeness each and every one of us let's watch this video and let's reflect on these things
0: Вставайте, женщина, вставайте, весь клин на ноги поднимайте. Поднимайте людей, видите ваш сын жив-здоров, с ним ничего не будет. Все с ним подходит, все не вставайте, поднимайтесь народом, перекрывайте трассы, дороги, мосты. Все, что забирали войска, молодых солдатов, колоны разбитых стоят. Колонны, колонны ваших русских солдат разбитые в клан стоят. забираются, пускай уходят пацаны, он не зашел, попал, он пришел, он даже не знал зачем он шел, сюда, к нам, они идут по старых картам, и они блукают. Наташ, все хорошо, Наташ, слышите? Все, говори, надо, говори, говори. Все нормально, все нормально Все, Наташа Вам удачи с Богом, все хорошо Все хорошо Прощайся А это потом уже с вами свяжется, Наташа Все, он сейчас жив, здоров С вами потом свяжется Прощайся
1: why don't we all stand? I'm invite the band to come back up. <clears throat> the reality is none of us deserve the welcome that Christ gives. We have all turned our backs on a God of everlasting love. Even today we have done things which have offended a holy God. But the grace and the love and the mercy of Jesus Christ who's called us into repentance and therefore called us into relationship calls us to show the same welcome to those who don't deserve it in our lives. We're gonna respond in song and then offer a practical response around the communion table. Father God, we recognize today that we don't deserve the welcome that you gave but we're so grateful for it. And Lord, we're reminded by that video that you call us to love our enemies, to pray for those who hurt us, to bless those who curse us. And my prayer this morning, today, even right now, Holy Spirit, you'll be bringing to mind people in this place that you call each and every one of us to show that welcome to May we grow in our welcome. May we grow in our hospitality. May we grow in our love for one another. Have your way, King Jesus. In your holy name I pray. Amen.